This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning. Good morning. Coach Hogg here in uh, the Mellow Studio in the Manly Warthog Man Cave here. Um, waiting to chew up here a little bit late this morning. We apologize. Um, no, our internet did not go out. We're just, uh, a little bit off the clock here a second, uh, not very, very seldomly this curve. Um, we are, of course, in Coach Hogg's locker room today, right now, and um, protected by Crime Prevention 24-7, 365, and sponsored by all our good friends you see scrolling by the screen. Uh, Coach Hogg's locker room has uh, been brought to you for a long time now. It's my take on athletics, having met a coach and having been an NCAA umpire and uh, also a letterman in a couple of sports myself, although not the big glorious time and running with the track team and running in the Florida relays and all the above. So I have a little bit of a background on what I talk about here. Otherwise I wouldn't talk about it. And um, I think it's of interest to you to know that right off the bat, we've been covering this story for quite a while. <clears throat> Name, image and likeness. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of such a thing, and you probably haven't either, uh, in the name of, um, I don't know what it's in the name of, probably all down the line somewhere, equity and inclusion, I suppose. I don't know what else to make of it. Um, it's um, come, time has come when everybody has to be sharing the profits or you're ripping somebody off. And and uh, so that's where we are right now. Good morning, uh, to all of y'all I see checking in, Doug Whitaker checking in from Mexico here. But um, this story has been out now, and just to bring you up to date on it, it's about this J- Jaden Rashada. Um, you know, the numbers I'm going to use here are mine of boggling. And I don't have any explanation for them other than to say, um, I wish we got these kind of prices at the cattle market. Um, you know, the cattle market is a place where we people who raise the cattle generally get the short end of the stick. Quite often, it costs more to bring the cattle to the market than it does once you get when you sell the cattle at the market. Um, it's just the way it is in the rural community. It's the way it is with urban life taking over rural life, on and on and on. There's only one uh, vet, for example, to service our hot, entire area here. And uh, he's a great guy, but he's as busy as a one-armed paper hanger. He just is common, the comments on our society that we have just one vet that covers from North, Mayo to you name it, South. And so we don't have the type of market right now that has come along for these high school and college athletes, particularly in football. And this Jaden Rashada has become, for better or worse, 
emblematic of it. Um, let's just rehearse what we have um, found ourselves involved in here at the University of Florida. Now, mind you, the University of Florida Stadium there um, has no handrails on it for old people to go up and down the steps. I've become particularly sensitive to that lately, but it does have $13 million to give to an unproven kid. Now, granted, it's not coming directly from ticket sales or the University of Florida. It's coming from, guess who? Well-heeled boosters. And everybody needs them. Everybody needs a whole stable of well-heeled boosters. And having talked to the collective people myself, we don't have that many well-heeled boosters, believe it or not. We don't have oil. You take Texas, they got oil. They got big money. So this is a highly touted quarterback, Jane Machada, <clears throat> who backed out of his national letter of intent to Florida. Three days after he requested to be let go, after he had told everybody he was coming here. So there's really no honor. There's no truth in lending, if you will. It's a, uh, it is what it is. Now the Gator Collective, and every college has to have one, is an independent fundraising group that's independent fundraising group, get that. That is quote unquote, according to the AP article I'm looking at here, loosely tied to the university. And it pays student athletes for the use of their name, image and likeness, and they bankroll these deals. Now, evidently what happened is one Jaden Rashad was promised a deal worth more than $13 million. Now, this is out on several networks, several talk shows. Uh, this is all out in the air. A lot of people know about it. But apparently what happened is the principal person uh, who was bankrolling this uh, backed out. It's uh, a source with knowledge of the negotiations told the AP that not all of the financial backers were aware that the signed deal had increased from roughly $5 million to $4 million to 5 million to 13 million over four years. So this kid was to get over four years of time at the University of Florida, more than $13 million. I'll let that sink in for a moment. More than $13 million. High school kid. You got that? 
It started out at five million. That ought to be a flabbergasting enough. But somehow you know what was going on. Some other collective, some other place said, well, we'll give you more than five million. And so this unproven kid, I think he only weighs 175 pounds. They're all planning to put weight on him. Finds himself through no effort of his own. The so-called rating system. Getting more and more offers. I guess if you put yourself in the kid's place, you say, what the hell? Might as well. Thirteen million. So apparently, <clears throat> University of Florida Gator Collective is not that well healed. And they began to get cold feet. And this is after Washada had switched his verbal commitment, his original verbal commitment, to, from Miami to Florida. He did that on November 10th. So he'd already committed to Miami, and God knows where they get their money. Boosters. Florida got in on it, said, we'll give you more than Miami. So he switched to Florida, and then he never enrolled in school. Apparently, that's one of the little nitpicking details. It has to be box that has to be checked off. So he never enrolls, and he backs out. So the Gator Collective, through its CEO, Eddie Roja, sent a termination letter to Rashad and his reps on December 7th. And nobody really knows why the deal crumbled, except that people who do know say that all the financial backers were not aware that what they had committed to at 5 million had inflated, if you will, to almost 13 million. Now you have to ask yourself here, where is common sense? Can one guy make that big a difference? And how many players on a team, 50, 60? Where's this go? I mean, really? Nobody's in charge of this bus, except the street, except Las Vegas, if you will. Or like I say, we don't even have this good a deal at the cattle market. Now, who is this guy? Well, he quote unquote is a five-star quarterback. They have this rating system and they have this analysis and this, that one another. And there's a lot of these guys that don't pan out, but they go ahead and roll the dice anyway. He's from Pittsburgh, California. He's ranked 29th overall by an outfit called 247 Sports in the 2023 recruiting class. And his father, Harlan Rashada, played defensive back at Arizona State in the early 90s. Now he's 6'4". That's okay. Pounds vary from 175 to 185. He threw for 5,200 yards in high school. And 
this whole deal of him coming to Florida was a big feather in the cap of, of Billy Napier. Boy, you tell you, you know, this is big bragging rights. And this means, you know, you'll get other guys to come if you quote unquote got this guy to come. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> Florida is in a pickle. Uh, it's lost five scholarship quarterbacks in the past 10 months. Anthony Richardson, and by the way, if you read the analysis on Anthony Richardson, he's a work in progress. Nobody knows whether he's going to be worth a hoot or not, including himself. Of course, we have a kid, a kid who was dismissed for his um, child pornography charges. We have Emory Jones who left. We have Del Rio Wilson um, who transferred. I think he's related to Jack Del Rio. Now, meanwhile, Florida's out there on the cattle market again, looking for somebody to come in through the transfer portal. And I don't know why anybody want to be a football coach right now. All the money that we pay the coach, I think it's 7.5, I, I lose track. Of, I don't have enough fingers and toes. Would have been doubled, would have been doubled with an unproven player he's asked to coach. So meanwhile, the Rashada kid's back on the block. He's free to enroll wherever he wants to enroll. And uh, he even, listen to this. This is going to flabbergast you. Let me have a sip of coffee on this. He even possibly could sue the Gator Collective. Possibly even, according to the A&P article, along with the athletic department and the University of Florida, in hopes of getting at least part of the $13 million he was promised. And furthermore, if he gets a good liar, he could conceivably ask for more, believe it or not, if he believes his reputation was damaged. Now, let me pause for a moment and just look at my chat line here, see if anybody really has a reaction. I mean, this is, I don't know. Everybody I talk to says it's crazy. Now, you know, yours truly got involved with supporting the University of Florida girls basketball team very, very modestly, not anywhere near this, just to kind of make them not feel left out. Because all the focus right now, basically at the University of Florida, is on football players. How about all the other athletes at this university? So on top of being jacking up the bid, he able to sue maybe for them backing out of the jacked up bid. Now, you ask where the NCAA is in all this. It's nowhere to be found. 
You know, Charlie Pell was fired from the university, and he was a great football coach, or he really built the program. Charlie Pell was fired from the University of Florida for, if I remember correctly, helping one of his players make a child um, uh, uh, support payment. I think it was about 100 bucks. Can you imagine? That, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's something along those lines. Now, nobody really knows who does have rules, although the NCAA claims it does, regarding NIL deals, boosters and the like. But this is no man's land. Collectives have circumvented these rules. Uh, the clauses in their contracts, so-called contracts, use contract language to stipulate that student hyphen athletes must reside in a certain jurisdiction for agreements to be payable. So they use zip, go, zip code clauses. There you are. You haven't heard the last of this. You haven't heard the last of the collective. You haven't learned, heard the last of the name image likeness. You know, out in California, you know, it's, a, it's the craziest place in the United States probably from a lot of people's point of view. There is a Democrat assemblyman, California assemblyman named Chris Holden, who has introduced a bill. I'm sure it won't have a snowball's chance of passing. He's introduced a bill in the legislation that he's calling the College Athlete Protection Act. I get this. I, I say it won't pass. I don't know. Which would gut all non-revenue raising college athletics. Under Holden's bill, all Division I schools would be forced to pay all of their scholarship athletes, their quote unquote, all of their all of their scholarship athletes now. Their fair market value. Now, what is each athlete's fair market value? Well, the Washington Examiner took a look at this and they can't figure it out either. According to Holden, each student hyphen athlete, and you, I, I guess this get used to that term. I mean, you know, just go on about your business and quit worrying about it. Each student hyphen athlete, get this, is worth an equal share of half their team's annual revenue, okay, minus the cost of their scholarships. So here's an example the examiner gives in its analysis. A Trojan football, Trojan football, on the whole, for the University of Southern California now, earned $100 million 
$1,000 as an example. And the Trojan football team had 50 scholarship players. This is a hypothetical example, pretty close to what it really is. Under that scenario, every player from their Heinzman Trophy winning Caleb Williams all the way down to the backup punter would each get, each get, now ready for this, you're sitting down, each get $1 million. According to Holden's calculations, that's their fair market value. Now, Sports Illustrated ran an analysis using real numbers from UCLA. Sports Illustrated estimates that in 2019, if Holden's legislation had been law, UCLA men's basketball players would have gotten $389,000 each. Football players, since there are more of them, would have only gotten $185,000 each. Women's gymnastics, $5,500 each. Women's volleyball, $871 each. And no one else would have gotten anything, not even women's basketball, which did not earn revenues high enough to trigger payments under the legislation. That's why yours truly thought we need to do a little help for the women's basketball because we're trying to build a program. If you can't fight them, join them. Now, college athletics, really, are they not, they're not like for-profit businesses. The excess profits in college athletics don't go into the owner's pockets. There are no owners, okay? The football, basketball, and revenues supposedly, but we know these boosters get involved, the same ones involved in the collective quite often, they go to pay coaches salaries and therefore whatever football generates subsidizes each school's non-revenue earning sports. They always use this as an excuse for football and football supports the other sports which don't make money. Lacrosse, nobody goes. Soccer, nobody goes. Track even, which is world-class. Eh, sparingly it tends, but how many people can you put over there? So for every dollar of Holden's legislation that it transfers from the athletic department to revenue-producing pro athletes, that's a dollar they're going to have to take from a coach or a fellow athlete, perhaps even a women's softball player. And we haven't even talked about the University of Florida softball, women's softball team, which is an excellent group of ladies with a great coach, Tim Walton. So Holden has anticipated that if just one coach at a school 
makes more than $500,000 a year. Get this now. This is why this will never fly. But it's worth talking about because student-athletes and college, quote-unquote, athletics, even high school athletics, have been, as we say, monetized. So if there's a coach at a, high, at a school who makes more than 500000 a year, Poland's legislation would suspend the athletic director for three years if he eliminated sports to help pay for the new player revenue sharing system. So under Holland's legislation, he said, well, hell, let's just take some of the money from the coaches. Now, listen, this is a different world. As I said, Woody Hayes, at the peak of his reputation, was making 27000 a year. Now, Riley out at USC is making almost $10 million a year. So what's this all about? I mean, you scratch your head. What's this all about? It's about attracting talent needed to compete on a national level. And it doesn't matter whether your football stadium has railings or not, because it's going to be television money and bowl money and now streaming money. The fans are an afterthought. So you'll still struggle, struggle to find parking. And God forbid, I thought about this, the Internet should ever go down when you're trying to enter the Florida football game. Everybody enters now with his or her phone, with the ticket in your quote-unquote ticket wallet on the phone. No paper tickets. Can you imagine the Internet going down with 90,000 people trying to get in to see the game? You know, we're in, we're in a twilight zone. We keep looking for analogous comments about where we are in this world. So if this, the conclusion that the examiner comes to is if, if this legislation were by somehow, some way to pass, and I, you know, I don't, I'm not predicting it will, but it's out there as a discussion. Not only would you see people exiting California as they are, you would see all the coaching talent and, of course, then all the collective talent leaving California. And that would be the end of California football and the conclusion that's reached here in the Examiner article was that would be a great payday for the fighting Irish. <laughs> oh boy, I can't make this stuff up. I cannot make this stuff up. We'll be right back in a moment on the Word Scott Files.
Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com. And click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Word Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files with Ward's weather report. 52 degrees now. Going to get up to about 64 degrees here. We had a storm, a little bit of storm come through yesterday, and then a cold, a little bit of a cold front behind it. But really what I want to talk about during the weather today is water. Water, and water particularly in California, where they've been getting dumped on, I mean, literally one hurricane after another, it'd be called a hurricane on our side of the continent. And it's all been wasted. Are you ready for me to tell you why? Now, I've been looking at this for a long time, but it was summed up very nicely not too long ago in the opinion page of the journal when even they scratched their heads and said, what in the world? You know, we know California is the weirdest place in the continental U.S. I mean, you know, arguably, okay, you like it. Okay, fine. But it is a strange place. So, We know that in California, the political leaders are obsessed with the climate. That's that's a given. Would you say that? 
So what has that caused them to do? Because they are obsessed with the climate, and I'm going to drill down here and tell you what that means, they have done absolutely nothing to collect this God-given bonanza of stormwater runoff because they have not invested in public works, especially storage and flood control. For the longest time, they have not committed any investment to water projects that would help create massive systems of canals and dams and reservoirs. Consequently, few, if any, large water projects have been built. Guess why? Two guesses and the first one doesn't count. Since the birth of the modern environmental movement, my friends, in the 1970s. And what did the environmental movement concern itself with? Two guesses once again, and the first one doesn't count. Species protections. For salmon and something called the three-inch smelt. Because water protection reservoirs limit how much water can be pumped south through the Sacramento San Joaquin River Delta. They get their water from rivers in the North and Sierra Mountains. And the amount of water that came into the Delta on about a week ago in California could have filled a reservoir the size of Yosemite's Hetch Hetchy, which is almost uh, every 24 hours. Instead, 95% of the Delta stormwater this year went where? Into the Pacific Ocean. Now, voters, meanwhile, always get duped. They wanted to support a bond measure that will be spent on drought preparation. But just like here in Alachua County, when you vote for a gas tax for the roads, they don't spend it on fixing the roads. They spend it on mowing the roads which they used to never have to spend it on when the inmates did it until it became an optic problem for the lefties in Alachua County. And they removed, without ever telling you, inmate care of the roads and hired people to take care of that which the inmates had taken care of and paid them out of the gas tax. How do I know that? I was the chair of the Rules Concerns Advisory Committee and called those public works people into my committee to explain to me why they did that. Well, they did it because they were following orders from the Alachua County Commission, 
which had been issued and begun by one communist commissioner, Robert Karl Marx Hutch Hutchison. So there was $2.7 billion of a $7.5 billion water bond that voters approved in 2014 that was allocated for storage. And none of the seven storage projects selected by the state for funding has even begun construction. Huh? Meanwhile, the voters, this sound familiar to you? GRU rates and the wood burning stove knows the bias mass. The voters have been slammed by rising water rates. Now, to appease the environmentalists, some water districts have invested in desalination, but that's expensive and not very adequate for the needs of California. They even are paying farmers up to about 2.5 million to leave fields fallow. About 531,000 acres in California last year were left unplanted. You got paid not to plant. Huh? I can't make this stuff up. I, I, I you know, I can't make it up. I just talked about the collective with you, how crazy that is. Furthermore, everybody knows that California's attitudes don't stay in California. And what happens in California influences right away Colorado. Other states, those, those rivers run around, you know, they get around. So that's my weather report for today. I mean, it's, it's really strange. I wanted to work that into the weather because that is about, you know, you wouldn't think of that, would you? on your own. And you ask yourself, who is confronting what some people call a woke culture? Well, we know that DeSantis is, and he's catching a lot of flack for it. Um, you just may have read about the judge who said, geez, DeSantis removed this state attorney, Warren, who is the son of Mike Warren, the contractor here in town, in a lot in city of Gainesville, removed him as a state attorney for not enforcing the state laws. And Warren sued DeSantis in a federal court. But you know, this is a state, okay? State law, state constitution, state governor. And the judge recognized I have no jurisdiction over this. All I can do is opine on what a raw deal I think you've got, Mr. Warren. But that's all I can do. 
That's all I can do. If the governor wants to remove a state attorney for reasons that violate the expected behavior, ethical and legal, of a state attorney in the state of Florida, the governor can do it. And that removed state attorney is not going to get redress in a federal court. Now, people have already asked me about Brian Kramer. And Brian Kramer's participation in what the people see as a criminalization of a civil matter. And people have asked me, Will the governor become involved in that? I don't have an answer. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just telling the story. Telling the story that the legal documents tell. The legal public record documents tell. And those legal public record documents raise quite a few questions. The main of which I'm hearing from people who have seen the show. How did a police department, a judge, and a state attorney's office approve of a party to the suit, a party to the, a party to the dispute, paying for the investigation into its own dispute. And that paid for Retrieval of the so-called trade secrets from the so-called repository in the sky, I guess, were then used by the police department who didn't pay for them, couldn't pay for them, and didn't know what they were once they had them. I don't know. I don't know how, how, why, I don't know why they did that. It defies, it defies common sense. I don't, you know, you would think. And the other thing that I noticed, and you noticed it too because you told me, when the heavily armed SWAT team is riding in the van to the realtor's office, a voice says, boy, these realtors are sure going to be surprised. So the SWAT team knew that they were going to the realtor's office. 
And I ask any anybody with common sense has asked, what is the probability that the SWAT team would be shot at from a realtor's office? Now, let me compare this to something for you. In California, you just heard that the, I think he was a 17-year-old, a 72-year-old Asian man was the person who shot up the, 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 the function there and killed the people, wounded so many people. They saw a white van leave that incident. The police saw a white van. The police saw a white van. The SWAT team was there because they were considered this van to be dangerous. Now, my friends, let me draw some comparable factual, as far as I know, the SWAT team did not charge the van. Why? Why? Because they knew it was dangerous. So they waited and surrounded that van and were prepared to act if the van moved or if the van fired at them. But they weren't going to go up on that van. That seems to common sense be the appropriate behavior of a SWAT team. If the SWAT team that went to the realtor's office, I'm going to ask you this question, had thought, truly thought, The realtor's office was as dangerous as that white van. By that I mean armed, ready to resist. Do you think, do you think they would have barged up to that door and announced their presence? No they would have remained in that parking lot, circled that realtor's office, stood back and over a megaphone, said, come out with your hands up. They wouldn't be standing in front of a glass door, pounding on it. Would they? I asked that question. Would they? Just think about it. 
It were a truly a dangerous situation requiring their presence. Wouldn't they have protected themselves more? In the case of the white van, they also brought in the bomb dogs. And they waited. And then they were able to see a figure slumped over the driving, over the over the steering wheel. And only then, if I got this wrong, you research it and tell me. I think I got it pretty close to how it happened. Only then. Did they approach that van? And as far as what a trade secret is, let me give you a background. I talked to a legislator who voted for the law that was used by Boss Hart and the cops and the state attorney. The trade secret law was designed to address an issue that was going on when there was fracking going on in the state of Florida and one chemical company was stealing the formulas and the mathematical situations from another chemical company that involved them, uh, therefore enabled them to compete in an unfair way. So they passed the trade secrets law. The trade secrets law says nothing about real estate commissions. It was never designed to be used for real estate commissions. So that opens another question. Who advised Bossart to use the so-called trade secret law? Was it a Bossart attorney? If it were, why didn't the cops question it? Because the cops don't know. They have no clue. They never did. Why did the state attorney question? I have no idea. Trade secret? Go look at the statute. That's another mystery. Now, I bring all this up because a state attorney operates under a state constitution, under a state governor. A state governor removed a state attorney for failure to recognize and apply. Let me find exactly what it was. Um, um, laws let me, uh, of the state. 
his neglect. Here, here, here's the thing. Actions amounted to a neglect of his duties as state attorney. I like that phrase. Amounted to a neglect of his duties as a state attorney. This article is out of, it's everywhere. It's in the Miami Herald. It's in, out on the web, you know. Now think about that phrase. Neglect of his duties as a state attorney. This event in Gainesville went from a civil dispute over commissions to a felony criminal charge of theft of trade secrets, which retrievals of the so-called trade secrets was paid for by a party to the dispute. There you go. I don't know the answer. I've been asked that question quite a bit since the show. And I don't have an answer. I've got some other things I want to talk about, but uh, um, I want to talk about this. Uh, And you know this is so. We just talked about California. According to Breitbart and Ian Hatchet, you know this by looking out your window at all the housing that's being built just in this area. New York, state of New York, has lost tens of thousands of residents to Florida in 2022. How do you know this? Data from the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. According to that data, are you ready for this? 64,577 New Yorkers made the official switch to Florida in 2022 by changing their driver's licenses. And that is up from 61,728 who fled in 2021. They come in, according to the staffers at the driver at the Department of Motor Vehicles, every day complaining about New York. And the staff at the Division of Motor Vehicles says they end up acting like therapists when they talk to these people. Florida, along with Texas, is one of the largest population gaining states 
over the past year. It is the fastest growing state in the nation by 1.9%. New York is almost 1% a year loss. Florida is the, a favorite of New York. What does that mean for Republicans in Florida? It has meant a boom in Florida Republicans, voter registration. In the state of Florida, they have overtaken Democrats and the lead has continued to grow. And now it's over almost 400,000. DeSantis was reelected by about 1.5 million votes. The Democrats couldn't come up with any kind of any kind of viable candidate at all. Florida is seen as, in these other states, I gotta watch my time here, as an oasis of freedom because it is combating, guess what? Woke ideology. Huh? 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 There you have it. Have a great day. Warhol Command Center out.